Full disclosure, when that church plant closed, I cried like a baby. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I think that's what we all did. Yeah, it was a it was a great time. Uh, there were a lot of ministry events. There was uh, canvassing. There was uh, passing out tracks. There was holding uh, Bible studies at uh, men's group breakfasts, reading, going through books. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, kind of leadership, mentorship, yeah. training, yeah, um, all that stuff. And actually, I think, like you said, we caught a lot by his example mm-hmm. and i really don't think uh anybody that was involved with that will, will forget that experience all christians are urban christians whether you live in graceville florida or chicago illinois the believer is on a pilgrim's journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. As we endeavor to live unto God in this world, our faith looks for the city which is to come, whose architect and builder is the living God. You are not alone on your journey. As you travel the narrow way, know that a great cloud of witnesses went before you. Many travel alongside you, and while the Lord tarries, many will follow the same path after you. But until the heavenly city is brought to us, or we to it. One such pilgrim is your fellow traveler. He is Urban Puritano. This is Urban Puritano in the trenches. Today's special episode will be an interview with Pastor Nathan Moises. That was a really good intro. Thanks, brother. What's up, Urban Puritano? How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Uh, ever since I changed zip codes, things are, you know, looking up. But uh, thank you for joining us on today's special episode. I wanted to interview you as mm-hmm. a representative of a real-life pastor living in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just wanted to thank you for taking the time to speak with me and to share a little bit of your experience in ministry with the mm-hmm. audience. Amen, amen. Well, thank you, brother, for coming along. Actually, this has been uh, in the works for almost a month, but, you know, just life got busy. I know, like you just mentioned, that um, you changed zip code. So so that moving and all that stuff, uh, yeah, I, I can only imagine how come on like almost stressful that could be um so and then with me and my work everything just kind of um was against us when as far as time goes so i'm actually really really excited and happy to be finally recording this and uh yeah man uh well just uh to give your listeners uh about a little info a snippet of who i am um my name is Moises Nathan Hakes. Um, uh, everybody knows me as Nathan. Uh, I pastor a church here in the city, uh, in the community of Pilsen. Uh, we've been going at it for about seven years now, strong. Um, I have, I am married, happily married uh, to my bride. My bride is uh, Damaris, uh, Damaris Hakes, and I have four kids. Uh, Joaquin, well, Jimena, who's the oldest, she's six. 
and then Joaquin, which is five, and then uh, he Gisela, which is four, and then Jonas. No, he said, yeah, sorry. And look, they all have similar type of names. They all start with X. It's Jimena, Joaquin, Gisela, and Jonas, who is five months old. He just turned five, five months. And, uh, and yeah, we live here uh, in the Pilsen area where we planted the church. And uh, we've just been going strong for the past seven years, like I mentioned. And ministry here in the city, raising kids in the city, um, it's rough. It's rough. It's rough soil. Uh, but by the grace of God, uh, God's given me the, ab- the ability and the opportunity to do a lot. Um, and what I mean by that is because I'm bivocational. So not only am I planning a church and pastoring a flock, but uh, I also have a full-time job uh, that's very demanding. Uh, I work in the IT industry, in the IT field. So, uh, so a lot of the stuff is not like laborious when it comes to me picking stuff up and moving stuff. It just, it needs a lot of brain work. And so that, uh, that can cause some like, uh, stress sometimes, but, uh, you know, and obviously raising the family and pastoring my own little flock here within the house, um, and, and caring for my wife. So it, it's a lot, but um, by the grace of God, he just kind of wired me that way. So I am, I have a big plate. I have, uh, you know, a few things on it at the moment in this season of life. And I enjoy it. I love it. Um, and, and here we are. Uh, and I'm happy for the friendships that, uh, that the Lord has, has guided me to. And now, you know, it's you, Urban Burita, no? <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that brief intro to who you are and a little bit of your background. You mentioned some things, uh, including your church plant Mm -hmm. uh, ministry. Uh, What is the name of it? So our church plant ministry is Cristo el Redentor, um, Christ the Redeemer. That's uh, that's what we we named it. That's uh, um, yeah, we call it CER for for short, just for short, uh, just an acronym. Because they know it's pretty long, especially my email address. It's like my full name. And then on top of that, it's at iglesiacristoredentor.org. Um, but yeah. Awesome. So this ministry is primarily Spanish-speaking in the city of Chicago? Yes, primarily Spanish-speaking with the focus on first and second generation. Uh, we, you know, our church plant has uh, a mix of just older folks where, you know, they all have all, they all have grown kids, married, um, out of their home. Um, and, uh, so it's them and also their kids, their kids. Um, uh, they, you know, we found it, we found out that, um, they just jive with the culture, Spanish speaking. And so they also, uh, stick around. And so they, you know, obviously they dominate English a little, uh, a little more, uh, well, actually way more, but they prefer to have communion with the saints, you know, in Spanish and hear the sermon in Spanish. But the nice thing about it is that when, and if they have questions, um, you know, I'm bilingual, so I can chop it up with them in, in English. Um, and so, yeah, that's where we're at. Awesome. Tell us a little bit how CER began to exist. 
All right. So it all started back <laughs> in 2014 or 13. Um, so just kind of go a little way back. Um, my dad actually planted uh, a church um, here in the Chicago land, actually in Chicago, in the Pilsen area. And he was going at it for about 15 years, just planting this church. He actually, you know, planted it. And then from there, um, he, before campuses were popular, he ended up making a, a campus out in Buffalo Grove, um, in another suburb in the Chicagoland area. And then from there, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I guess just ministry got to him when it came to like his health, his stress levels. Um, and we can always just, we started noticing that he was just kind of checked out, um, just kind of emotionally and, and physically and, and health wise, he just started not doing well. And so, uh, in about in the year 2013, uh, I spoke to him, well, he spoke to me and he says, Hey, so, you know, let's just start praying that, you know, maybe you can take over, you know, by this time. I already knew that God has had already been calling me to ministry in, in some way or form, but I didn't know how or when. So, uh, yeah, we, we prayed all 2013 and, and, uh, I got married in 2000. Oh shoot. No way. It was 2012 that we started praying. And in 2013, I got married and, uh, and then, yeah, maybe six months later, my dad, uh, installed me as a pastor there um, of of the church, and uh, and yeah, so they voted on it, and uh, it, it was a small flock. By that time, uh, people started, you know, just leaving the city, leaving the state. Um, the, the flock was dwindling, and and there was a, a handful of people that said, yeah, 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 we we vote, we vote, and we can see. Nathan pastoring it. And so that's when they installed me as a pastor. My dad ended up leaving to Florida um, with my mom. And so they're, they're there. Actually, from there, they went to Maryland with this long story short, and then they're back in Florida. But um, so yeah, ever since then, um, I just kind of been been pastoring the church. Uh, and uh, that's oh, so so you can say so sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> So, uh, after that, uh, they installed me as a pastor and we kind of took a different approach to just, you know, gutting all the, the, you know, from the church constitution to just kind of the mission and the vision of the church. And we went as far as changing the name as well. The church was called Amista Cristiana under my dad. And, uh, and we ended up changing the name to Cristo Redentor. So, I guess you kind of want to call it a replant, uh, but uh, you know there was there was a couple families still there that adapted to the change, and uh, and so we were we were uh, you know, it, it was it, it was a very easy shift. I know when uh, some other brothers have mentioned about a replant or going in and then just kind of gutting everything now from you know from the root, um, you they would get a lot of backlash, and for us, it wasn't. Um, and so it, it started, yeah, it's, from then on, like a year later, we started seeing some movement, some growth. We ended up moving from one space to another, um, just literally next door. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's how kind of the backstory behind the, the, you know, where I'm at right now. 
Quick question. So um, during the time that you were under your father and when he transitioned from leaving uh, the ministry for health reasons and moving uh, up until that time, obviously you were working full time, uh, a regular uh, job. But what were your ministry experiences, either with him or not with him? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so my ministry experience um, a lot came from just growing up in the church. Um, and what I mean by that is maybe just culturally calling myself a Christian. So I would just partake with my parents. And if something was needed in the church, I would always jump in to assist or help in any way. Uh, this came to everything from music ministry, playing the drums, to cleaning and partaking with the youth um, or the kids ministry, just everything in general. I had my, my, um, I had, I volunteered for all that stuff. Now in all that, I also, um, so that was before my dad planted the church. And then when my dad uh, planted the church, and I still remember this, I was seven, <laughs> I was about 10 years, no, 11 or 13 years old. And my dad said, okay, we're going to do the church and we're going to do it at the house. And he tore down the divide, you know, before the house, the houses weren't um, like open concept like there is now. There was division. So you were in the living room and then there was kind of a, a wall with an arc in the middle that would divide you from the uh, living room and the and the uh, the dining room and the kitchen and so forth. So he ended up knocking out the two walls and putting a whole, buying a whole bunch of those metal chairs, the foldable ones, and getting some a PA system. And he's like, "This is what we have. This is where we'll have church for the, for the coming years." So, um, so yeah. So I, after at that age, I was it was just kind of we hit the ground running and. Uh, my sister sang, my other sister was just too young, but uh, he started having me uh, get drum lessons so I can learn how to play uh, an instrument. And I ended up learning the drums, PA, technology, projector stuff. I mean, I was involved like like nobody's business. But in the midst of all that, um, he also, um, you know, in God's... In God's sovereignty, man, I think in, in, in just blessing he was also he would he would get me inside of these meetings with the you know church leaders and the elders and i would list i would be listening in and i'm 17 18 and uh and you know he would he would i, I would be in those meetings and i would hear uh you know the back end stuff regarding church politics sometimes and it was very it was it, it was overwhelming at times, but I never understood why why he would want me there. And the nice thing about it, he wouldn't ask me. So what did you think? He would just say nothing. Um, but at the same time, I was like, man, that's you know the things I would hear was just it would just throw me off. But anyhow, um, so that so I grew up like that, just being involved in in church and, and in ministry in all these ways. And then about uh, the age of I'm going to say. 25 uh that's when i think i think the lord actually plucked me uh and 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 
just set me apart and opened up my heart. And, and it's when the Holy Spirit just kind of renewed my, my, my heart and, and my, gave me a new nature because, uh, uh, I have really had a, a had a bad breakup back in 2008, and that that kind of led me. Oh, has a sock. Okay, close the door, Mama. Uh, and and, and, and has 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 um come um um hair coming off. Okay, I'll go in a bit. <laughs> Is that Isela? That. Yeah, that's Isela. Um, uh, where was I? I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, okay. So then. I had a break, uh, bad breakup, and then I was reading, reading Ephesians, um, and then that's what kind of just, I think I believe that I, I became saved. That's when God saved me, and, uh, and from then on, bro, it, it's literally a flip of a switch that the Holy Spirit did in me, and I started getting hungry for the Word, hungry, and I'm talking like I was going through books like if they were chicken wings, bro, and just... Is going through 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 the word and 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 then and then and then this crazy thing happened where I was just kind of now questioning my dad with a lot of his theology and his preaching and so unfortunately my bro I became a cage stage Calvinist um, <laughs> it was bad dude I was I was on a mission to just shoot and kill bro with my words my attitude. My demeanor, my just my motives were just sinful, bro. And these doctrines of grace, I took them as doctrines of of death because that's kind of what uh, came out of my mouth most of the times when I was talking theology. No love came out, and so my dad and I hit a um, just kind of this rough patch for a season in life, and uh, and then that's why I said to my dad, you know what, I'm just gonna. Just gonna leave the church, and and so I left. I left uh, the church plant. Well, at that time, it was just kind of established church, but because just planting in the city, there's a lot of moving parts, um, and so when you plant here in the city, it's like you've been at it for 14 years, and it's like you've pastored four or five different churches, just because there's a lot of transient people, um, and just things happen. So, anyways, by that time I left, um, the church was already dwindling. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, uh, I, uh, oh, oh, a brother, uh, called me, uh, one of my, uh, a brother from another church out in the, in the West Chicago area. And he said, Hey, um, you know, I, I got this brother that's looking to plant a church in Cicero, uh, or is planting a church in Cicero. He didn't give me much info. He just gave me his number and, um, or the, he, or they, I don't know what happened, but I, I think it was this, this brother that was planting called me out of the blue and just said, Hey, I was, I was told about you and what, what you're, what you're up to. And do you want to have some coffee? And then from there, um, that's it, bro. The rest is history. Uh, we just started building a friendship. Um, and that led to just a lot for the next four years. It was just kind of like a, a base camp to where just kind of God grinded out my, my, my take on ministry, my take on, on planting and took my my rage cage stage uh uh attitude and just started slapping me around and uh and then yeah that's it wow that's great let me um ask you would you credit the actual doctrines of grace in poisoning your 
uh, outlook on things and being the cause of the uh, slight rift in your relationship between you and your dad? Or would you put the blame on how you took them? Um, definitely the blame on how I took them. Definitely, definitely. Um, uh, I, and you know what? I guess this also goes to a lot of the culture, uh, the church. The church culture subculture within the reform camp is specifically the people that we were listening to back in 2009, 10. Um, it's the angry Driscoll type. It's the, <laughs> it's the, it's the, you know, those kind of dudes just kind of fueled a lot of that little, little generation of the people were listening that, that uh, of their listeners. And so I, I think I fell into that, um, just because, um, I felt like a lot of the, a lot of my a lot of my uh, my gunshot way of communicating these beautiful doctrines were fueled by their sarcasm, uh, their um, uh, <laughs> the kind of meanness. Yeah, their meanness and their approach to that and. And they're just kind of mockery of that, you know, people get, you know, people that did not think like them. Um, so that, so that I think, I think that's what fueled um, my way of delivery with the, with the message. And unfortunately, yeah, man, I mean, there was a few dudes that were kind of under my care. I was discipling and, and I, unfortunately, a monster births monsters. <laughs> so... So lo and behold, I was teaching how to be like me and, um, and, but, but yeah, man, just, uh, that's how I think that that happened. My delivery and the messages were just detrimental to my relationships. Uh, not only my dad, but a few other brothers in Christ that genuinely love the Lord, genuinely love the Lord now in retrospect. And, and I was just taking the doctrines of grace and, um, I remember this example. Uh, I don't know who I heard it from, but it says like, you you treat the doctrines of grace as if they were clubs. You want to beat people with it, but you got to be kind of like a surgeon, you know, with a scalpel. Hmm. Very interesting. I want to remind the audience that because you came from a Spanish-speaking church background, yeah, the doctrines of grace are not very. Um, if if they're not very common in English church you know, settings, they're more rare in Spanish speaking settings. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you uh, were introduced to them and adopted them and believed in them and just embraced them with the cage stage rage, it just, it just <laughs> yeah, shows, man. you know, how um, unusual and rare it is, but okay. So, you were introduced to this church planter who was interested in uh, planting a church for Spanish speakers in the Cicero area. Yeah. And was this brother part of a, a church that was friendly to the doctrines of grace? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, this brother, it was uh, OPC guy, uh, Orthodox Presbyterian church guy. Um, uh, he, his then that denomination um, primarily is was white, 
And so they uh, they plucked out a, a brown guy like him to uh, start something uh, in Spanish. And so they entrusted him with that role. Um, he was ordained uh, as that as a minister for the OPC, and uh, then uh, planted uh, actually parachuted in here in Illinois and targeting uh, Cicero. Uh, and I think he had some background here in Chicago in some sort, but he was raised most of his life in Tampa. Um, but I, I don't know the history of it. But the point is that he parachuted into into uh, Cicero, single dude uh, about to plant a church. He got some traction, um, but uh, but nothing was happening. And he was he was like four years in. He was doing uh, I think the services in his in his basement um, in English and Spanish, um, but he didn't see any. Nothing was flourishing from the from the fruit of his labor. So um, that's why. I believe that he went back to the, the you know the Presbyterian Council, whoever was overseeing him, and that's when he said, hey, "You know what? Um, we're just going to change the mission, the vision of the church." And and he opted to target and to reach uh, uh, brown people that are bilingual, uh, that that are maybe second, third generation here in, in the city. So he, uh, so then he was just basically going and looking for, for those people. And, uh, that's when he, you know, he called me up, we had coffee. I told him, uh, he told me, he gave me his pitch, you know, like every church planter has <laughs> their pitch. And, um, and I was intrigued. I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to my dad's church anymore. Um, sounds adventurous, sounds different. And I can probably learn a lot, right? And that's one of the things that I love. I love sticking with smart people because they're smarter than me, man. And and I'm I'm just a uh, <laughs> I'm just a mess sometimes when it comes to something something like what I know. And so I I just I just love uh, learning a lot. And um, and so I was like, yeah, I think this is a great opportunity. And that's it. Um, we started just gathering on a weekly basis and uh and that was kind of my journey with with uh with this planter i want to pause and just um express amazement and appreciation because you said this brother was opc and opc backed and uh for him to like you said parachute into an unknown environment and pioneer a work like that takes a lot of courage, a lot of grit, and you know, Amen. also Amen. a lot of vision on the part of the OPC who supported him because they wanted to see the glory of God Amen. Uh, in a geographic area and amongst people that don't normally make OPC uh, demographic. Yeah. But uh, all of those things were not uh, barriers to the people involved at the time. And they said, let's do it for the glory yep. of God. Um, can we say the brother's name? Sure. Chris Sandoval. Chris, Chris Sandoval. Sandoval. Yeah, man. And uh, if anybody wants to look him up and he's actually planting a church out there in, um, in California, in San Diego, in the community of uh, Logan, Awesome. Logan, Bar Barrio Logan, I think that's what it's called. 
Now, Chris Sandoval was a, a Westminster West graduate, was he not? Yes. Correct. Awesome. And so uh, he came with that educational background, seminary mm-hmm. background, yeah. and he got his hands and feet dirty uh, mm-hmm. for several years in this area. Yeah. Um, what did you learn uh, working alongside of Chris Sandoval? Uh, a lot. <laughs> I mean, I could, the, the, you know, and, you know, it, it, one of those things where the stuff that he, that I was learning from him was, it was like, not like, okay, it's today's class time and let me teach you. Most of the stuff that I was taught was just caught. Okay. But, but it was caught with the, with the paradigm of understanding and giving me a glimpse of, the ins and outs and the nuts and bolts of church planting. Um, so he was single. I was single <laughs> when we were doing this re revamp of, of the church to reach the second generation, Spanish, English, Spanglish speaking people in the humble park area and uh, in here in the inner city. Um, so man, I was there with him and just, in, in moments where nobody would come, nobody would volunteer, uh, you know, all the, the, the letdowns and, and uh, I mean, just, it, it was just a lot, man. I mean, if I can, I mean, it's a laundry list of things that, that I learned, but one of the things that, that I deeply respected him for was just the grit because church planting, that ain't no game, bro. Like that is it. And I'm in the trenches too. And, and we thank the Lord that we were both single and now we're in different, him and I are now in different seasons in life and we're, we're, you know, he's, he's married and I have, I'm married to and four kids. And so church planning just gets harder. So I think the Lord used that time when him and I and the other people that were, that were in the core team to just sanctify us. And that, that alone is more than enough because the Lord did sanctify us <laughs> like even in our, in our stage of like envisioning and doing things and, and proactively wanting to get people inside. Um, um, the, the Lord was just, was just, I guess was teaching us a lesson, him a lesson. And, uh, and the time came where he had to just call it quits after about a year or two, maybe less. Uh, of just going with this new revamped version of, of his church plant. And, and that's when he pulled a plug and, and I was like, okay, you know, I think him and I and people in the core team just kind of knew, okay, it was time. And we appreciate that what God did in that season for both, for all of us and the ministry. And I know, I know that God, that, that people heard the gospel and I know that God was glorified in that, in that plant that lasted well, the plan itself lasted, I think, six or more years just because it took different iterations. Um, actually, two. But, but yeah, I mean, definitely something uh, to respect. Full disclosure, when that church plant closed, I cried like a baby. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I think that's what we all did. 
Yeah, it was a it was a great time. Uh, there were a lot of ministry events. There was uh, canvassing. There was uh, passing out tracks. There was holding uh, Bible studies at uh, men's group breakfasts, reading, going through books. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, kind of leadership, mentorship, yeah. training, yeah, um, all that stuff. And actually, I think, like you said, we caught a lot by his example mm-hmm. and i really don't think uh anybody that was involved with that will will forget that experience mm-hmm. and it just goes to show uh god's grace and empowerment because uh you know chris sandoval was a young guy yeah. and god did a lot of things through him mm-hmm. and uh we give god the glory for that and we thank uh, chris and people like chris and the people behind him were uh like you said, OPC, and we Man. thank God for the vision that uh, they received from God and, and the willingness to go along with that vision. Amen. Uh, it, it shows that you know the Reformed world can mm-hmm. uh, extend an olive branch to other brothers, uh, independent-type brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, broadly evangelical brothers that are willing to work hand in hand for gospel proclamation. Mm -hmm. Hey bro, uh, I got to jump off this and I got to go on the zoom, but can we continue? I like this. You know it, brother. We'll talk to you soon then. All right, man. Thanks. All right, brother. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us at Urban Puritano. We look forward to catching up with you on your next stop along your journey to the city prepared by God for all true believers. 